Well, good morning and happy Father's Day. How are we? All right. Welcome to you all. Welcome. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. If you are a guest, we're glad that you're here today uh, on this Father's Day. But more importantly than Father's Day, we're celebrating our great father, the good father, uh, our good God in heaven and his son, Jesus Christ, who saves us, redeems us, makes us new and makes us children of God. So we're so glad that you're here today worshiping with us. If you're a guest with us, again, welcome to you. We'd love to connect with you. Best and easiest way we can do that is by you simply texting the word CONNECT, grabbing your cell phone and texting CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT there. Uh, we'll send you a link. Click on that. Answer a couple of quick questions just so we can minister to you in the best way possible. But for everyone here, I've got three big announcements for us today, all right? Three big announcements for Father's Day. Uh, as we're rolling into summer full force, a couple of quick things. Big uh, announcement number one, July 4th, just a couple of weeks, we're going to have one service. July 4th is on a Sunday this year, so we're going to have just one service at 11 o'clock, all right? You can come at 930, but you're just going to get a good seat. 11 o'clock, one service. No journey groups, no kids ministry, no youth uh, journey groups at 9.30, nothing but one service, everybody in one room, 11 o'clock, July 4th, come be a part of that. Big announcement number two, membership class. Starting our summer cycle for membership, that's going to be July 11th, 18th, and 25th. Text the word MEMBER again to our number, 910-424-1298 to sign up for that. That'll get you through the process. For those three-week classes, July 11th, 18th, and 25th, you can text MEMBER to sign up for that. And our last big announcement, July 18th to the 24th, we're doing a mission trip to Tennessee, Elizabethton, Tennessee. Uh, if you're interested in that, you can text the word MISSION to 910-424-1298 to find out more information about that. Just text MISSION to our number to find out about that. Again, that's July 18th through the 24th. Fourth, and for any other announcements going on here, again, download the app. You can do that at iTunes or Google Play. Download the app. You're going to get to give online via the app. We encourage you to do that. That's how we encourage everyone to give if you can. Um, and then you can be able to find all the other announcements, sign up for events, uh, see previous services, all of those things through the app. That's your best hub to be connected and know what's going on around here. So please do that. But for today, I want to read a scripture to us to get us started as we think 
about worshiping today on Father's Day. I want to read for you Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Listen to the way it describes God and you and your relationship with Him. All right? So Galatians 4, 6 and 7 says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So the big idea I want you to understand is the fact that God, what separates Christianity from every other religion is not that we believe in God. All religions believe in some form of deity. What separates Christianity is the truth of who God is. Who God is, is through faith in Jesus, your personal, loving, gracious dad. Every other religion, God is in some form a master and you are his slave and you do good things in order to um, get him to be good to you. And, and, and what this scripture specifically says is for Christianity, true faith and true God, that is different. You go from being a slave to being his son. And for ladies, that doesn't leave you out either. This actually is a wonderful gift for ladies as well because in first century Middle East, ladies, you weren't allowed to adopt, uh, to, 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 uh, to uh, inherit property. You weren't allowed to uh, be considered an heir to anything. You just got married off young and hopefully bore sons, and that was basically it. But what it says here in, in Galatians 4 is very clear in the context of speaking of both men and women. God ushers you in and gives you the heir just like you were his son. All children of God are full heirs of all that God could possibly give you. What we celebrate today is this. We have a great, amazing God in heaven. Uh, you know, we, we call uh, God uh, the, the great physician. He's also the great dad. He's the dad that's above all dads. And so I want to encourage us today as we worship the Lord to see who God is as our great an amazing father. And as you see him as he is, as your great dad, through faith in Jesus Christ, you're no longer a slave, but you are his child. And he loves you, and he cares for you, and he pours his spirit into you. And he says, call out to me, Abba, Father, which is like a, 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 an Arabic way of saying daddy. It's an intimate form of calling out to a dad. This is exactly the way God considers you as his child. So let's just bow our heads, and I want to pray for us as we, as we continue worshiping here this morning. God, I pray for us here today that God, if there's one big thing that can happen with everybody in this room today is that we will walk out of here with a greater understanding of what it means to be a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are no longer slaves, but we are your children, and we get to call out to you, Abba, Father, our great dad. We love you because you love us, and I thank you for that. I pray, God, that that truth becomes more and more and more real to every one of us here in this room, and that we walk in the fullness of that, are empowered by that for your glory. 
Do this in us today. We worship Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, let's stand, everybody, together. Let's worship the Lord. Let's sing. I can see the clouds rolling. I can see the winds that try to shake me. I will not be moved. My feet are on the rock. I can feel the waters rise. I can hear the howling lies at home.
pray today, church. Yes. Ah, good morning again to you. Happy Father's Day to you all. If you got a Bible, let's find Genesis chapter 1 together, all right? Genesis chapter 1. So if you are with us for Mother's Day, uh, we're doing kind of a little two-part series splitting up between Mother's Day and Father's Day where we're focusing on biblical manhood and womanhood and talking a little bit about what that means. Um, and, and this matters, I told you at Mother's Day this is significant and I'll kind of reiterate it as well how significant this is. There are few things under attack right now more forcefully than what it actually means to be a man and a woman. And I'll give you exhibit A. Don't do it right now because you're going to throw your phone and not listen to me. But when you leave, Google, write this down, Blue's Clues LGBTQ. All right? Google this. It is homework. You have to watch it. Blue's Clues LGBTQ. Anyone familiar with the cartoon Blue's Clues? If you have children, yes. You may not know this. That, not, not to my knowledge, I don't think they put it on, I think it's on Nickelodeon, I don't think they put it on TV, but it's on their website. They made a special video teaching your preschooler how great it is to deny biblical manhood and womanhood. And they did this by creating a cartoon drag queen to sing to your preschooler a song about how great it is to have all kinds of different families. They are trying to radically, and when I say they, I mean Satan, radically change everything that we understand of not only biblical, but just natural, historic, what life should be. And their main goal of doing that is not changing the mind of a 40-year-old, but a 4-year-old. And so it is extremely important extremely important that this is an issue that we hit hard, that we go very forcefully at. We make no um, qualms about this. We are not apologetic about this. Now, we want to be kind and respectful and courteous. We don't want to, be we don't want to unintentionally offend anyone. But we want to hold hard to the truth, and if the truth offends, then the truth offends. And so that's what we want to, to always do. And so with that, we talked at Mother's Day about what it means to be a biblical woman. We're going to talk today a little bit about what it means to be a biblical man. And we're expanding out more than just being a dad, but just manhood as a whole. So Genesis chapter 1, let's pick it up in verse 26. I'm going to read it for us, and then we'll kind of work our way back through it, all right? So Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth. And every tree with seed in its fruits, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So what I want to do this morning is very simple. Just for a couple of minutes today, I want to give just a few ideas. It's not going to be exhaustive. It's not going to be huge. Um, I, pastoral ministry is a marathon, not a sprint. My goal is, I, I, every, so Southview is the one, two, three, third church I pastored. I believe that's correct. Um, my goal when I step into every pastorate is to be there for the rest of my life. That's always my goal. And if God wants me to do something different, then he'll just pick me up and move me like he did here. Um, and so I believe pastoral ministry is a marathon, not a sprint. And so I think as I'm now 43 as of next week. I think that's, is that right? 43 as of next week. So um, my goal, in, so I had a couple of goals. One is I want to be married uh, I want to do pastoral ministry for 50 years, which means I'm going to be 73 at least. Um, so my goal is to pastor in such a way where I'm up here like with a walker just swinging it angrily as I'm, ang- as I'm preaching. Like, that's my goal, right? I'm just swinging a walker and tennis balls are flying off and hitting people in the head. Like that's the goal. So I want to do that. I want to I pastor for 50 years. And I want to be married to my wife for 75. Now, in order for that to happen, I think we're going to have to be like 98 and 99 respectively. It's a long shot, but that's the goal. So it's a past, pastoral ministry, it's a marathon. So the point of today is not to get everything out, but just to kind of get us a little bit of some big rock building blocks, okay? So when we talk about manhood, what do we want to know? Big idea number one is this. Manhood was God's idea, and it was very good. Manhood was God's idea, and it was very good. Verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. It was God's original idea, it was God's intent, it was God's plan to make man. He, he wanted to do that. And then verse 31 tells us he looked at everything, including manhood, and said, That is very good. The world has some different views of masculinity. Some view manhood as negative, view men in general as negative. The term toxic masculinity gained a lot of traction over the last decade or so. Basically the idea of if you, as a man, present yourself in any kind of masculine way, then you're being, you know, overbearing and patriarchal and whatever. So some view just masculinity as a whole as wrong, Some view men as just idiots, right? And again, case in point for this is every sitcom with a family. 
All right? Just watch TV. Every sitcom that has a family, dad is a moron. Right? He's an idiot. He's going to mess something up. And the kids and the talking dog have to save him at the end of the show. Right? So either, as a general role, rule for, for the world, either men are bad or they're idiots. God comes in with a different idea. God comes in and says, no, 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 no. I created manhood in a very specific way, and I intend for it to be lived out in that way. We have a crisis of masculinity and manhood in our society. It's a crisis. We are at a crisis point. There is massive pushback on men being men. Uh, For whatever it's worth, though, this isn't a new thing. Uh, C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian authors of all time, in his book, The Abolition of Man, which is phenomenal. I highly encourage reading The Abolition of Man, especially if you're in education. I would encourage reading The Abolition of Man. Phenomenal. What he says in his book, The Abolition of Man, is we are create our society, and he was talking about um, England during World War II, which is amazing. Think about World War II. I mean, the, 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 the height of masculinity, you know, going and fighting the Nazis, going and fighting against enemy evil forces. He said, but even in the midst of that, he looked at his society in England and says, we are creating men without chests. I love that line, men without chest. He goes on to describe what he's meaning. He says, men with no honor, no courage, no dignity, no valor. He said, we laugh at things like honor and courage, but then we're shocked when we find cowards and traitors in our midst. You get what you expect. And if we expect men to act like idiots, don't be surprised when they act like idiots. What has been the result of the way that we have treated men over the last 20 years or so? Can the, the average age of when someone gets married is creeping higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. The average age of someone moving out of their mom's basement is getting higher and higher and higher and higher. What we increasingly have, listen to me, what we increasingly have are not young, strong men in their 20s. What we increasingly have are boys who shave. They're not men. They're not full of purpose and valor and dignity and honor and respect and courage. They're boys who play video games for 18 hours a day and can shave. And that is a sin on the church. Because we have not called men up to greater. If there's one thing we're going to accomplish here, by God's grace, is we're going to call our men up to better. The point of today is to highlight for us what you are in Christ, who you are in Christ. So if you want to look at what manhood is, look to Jesus. Jesus was not a wimpy, limp-wristed, weak, semi-masculine guy with a soft voice and feathered banks who got his feelings hurt really easily. Jesus was a loving, compassionate, strong, aggressive, courageous, powerful, authoritative king who knew how to take a punch, take a harsh word, not back down, not lose, fight 
He took on Satan to win victory for his people. This is our king. This is who we are like. This is the God-man who, if you believe by faith in him, lives inside of you and seeks to live out through you. This is what it means to be a man. If you want to know what it looks like to be a man, open your Bible and read about Jesus. Kind, compassionate, loving, and strong, courageous. This is who we are, gentlemen. This is who God has created us to be. This is who we are as men in Jesus Christ. And by God's grace, this is who we're going to call up every man, young and old, in this body to walk as Jesus Christ. Manhood was God's idea, and it was very good. Second is this. So it's God's idea. But he also had some things he wanted us to do with it. So what do we do as men? One of the things is, manhood represents God. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So look at that first part of verse 27. So God created man in his own image. So, when God created humanity, he did it in a way completely different than everything else. It says that he created man in his own image. So there's some conversation about what does it mean to be bearing out the image of God, to be the image bearer of God. It doesn't mean that we look like God. God's a spirit. He doesn't have body. But it means that there are some characteristics about God that we possess and, and manifest, right? So God is eternal, therefore we have the opportunity for eternal life. God is relational, so we have the opportunity for relationship. God is intellectual, so we have the opportunity, the ability to think and, and reason. God hates injustice, so that's why you hate injustice. We're bearing out the image of God. But, but what I want you to see that I think is so significant, the big idea is we are called by God as we're as we're created in his image, to represent, literally represent God on this earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that you are the ambassador of Christ on earth. You stand in the place of Christ on this earth, on Christ's behalf. Gentlemen, you get the unbelievable privilege of representing who God is. To the people you interact with on a daily basis. I'll say this kind of on a, from a, as a teaching point from a negative perspective. In counseling ministry, one of the things I spend the bulk of my time on is untangling people's false views and understandings of God. Negative views of God because of the way they honestly negatively, negatively view their own dad. Gentlemen, if you're a father... I've got good news and I've got, I don't know if it's bad news, it's not, but could be a little bit of a weight. The way that you live, conduct yourself with your family, with your children, with your wife, in some way that is just beyond understanding, that sets in them an understanding, a thought process of who God is. There's a reason why God 
considers himself, uh, uh, reveals himself to us as father. God could have revealed himself to us in any way. He chose to reveal to himself as, as father, and he calls you father. This is unbelievable. You're called by the same name God is. There's a reason for that. You have a responsibility to represent God on earth. Ephesians 5.1 it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You get a chance today, as you interact with your kids, as you interact with your wife, as you interact with, if, you don't, if you're not married and have kids, just the world, you are presenting, representing God to them in all of your interactions. And listen, that could be scary because, again, I've got four kids, and trust me, 15 years from now, the Lynch kids are going to be able to sit around a coffee table, drinking a cup of coffee, very easily pointing out all of dad's faults and failures, all right? That is not going to be hard for them. But as men, we must understand our, our role is by God's grace to present to our children Here's what it means to know and love and serve God. And what it means to know and love and serve God is to fail and then admit it and confess. Your children don't need to see you perfect. Your children need to see you humble. They don't need to see you perfect. They need to see you repentant. They don't need to see you faultless in your walk with God. They need to see you faithful in your walk with God. You get the opportunity to present who God is to your family. How great is that? Also, another thing that you get, not only do we represent God, but manhood is given responsibility by God. Look at verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. So when it says here in verse 28, he blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Right? This, this, this mandate given to man. That, now this is when it says be fruitful and multiply. This is bigger than just have babies. All right. He says to them in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. God puts Adam in the garden, and he says he put him in there to work it and keep it, to, to guard it and cultivate it, to, to protect it and prosper it. The idea is this. Adam, when he was in the Garden of Eden, he was not just lounging around, standing behind strategically placed bushes eating fruit, all right? He was working. When God created and put Adam in it, the, the world was this wild, untamed thing, and God told Adam, Go cultivate it. Go make something of it. Go push forward my kingdom. You have a mandate to push forward my image, my kingdom throughout all the earth. And the same is true for us. We are given responsibility by God to push forward his kingdom in a couple of ways. One, as all of us for Christians, we have the Great Commission. So listen to the Great Commission and see if you can hear some similar language. Here's the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So he says in Genesis chapter 1, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then he tells Christians in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all the nations. Similar language, same exact thing. You have a mission before God to go into the ends of the earth, proclaiming the gospel, pushing forward the kingdom of God. You have a responsibility for that. But you also have a responsibility if you're married and have children to them. Right? You have a responsibility. God has given you this task to love, care, shepherd, bless, nurture, disciple your family. In Ephesians 5, listen to the way God talks to husbands about their relationship with their wives. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So in Ephesians 5, there are two things going on. Uh, he's talking about the church, Jesus in the church, and he's talking about husbands and wives. And it's sort of like, you ever looked at one of those posters to where it looks like one thing, but if you stare in the middle, then it turns into something else. But you zoom out, and it turns back into the other thing, and you zoom in, it kind of two pictures at the same time. That's what Ephesians 5 is. It's kind of about the church and husbands and wives. And a little bit about the church and boom, husbands and wives. That's kind of what's happening. So it's, it's, it's kind of zooming out and zooming in and zooming out and zooming in. So let's chat about the husband and wife aspect of it. It says here that husbands have a responsibility to do something. Husbands have a responsibility to love their wives in the exact same way Jesus loved us, sanctifying her, cleansing her by the washing of water with the word so that the church and your wife might be presented to God in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So gentlemen, let me chat just for a second about this, okay? The Bible is abundantly clear about what's called theologically male headship. What that means is we believe the Bible teaches us that men are given the responsibility to be head of their families. Church, we believe here in what's called complementarianism. The idea that men and women have different roles, but they complement one another. So with that, men are called to be pastors. Men are called to love and care and shepherd for their families. Male headship. So gentlemen, it's really simple actually. The question is not... Are you the head of your home? That's a, that's a done question. You are. The issue is not, are you the head of your family? The question is, do you stink at it? For a long time, I, Brad Lynch, stunk at it. It's just not good. I mean, I thought it was good. I mean, it wasn't like bad. I mean, it wasn't like that guy, Right? But, but I wasn't walking in the understanding of what it means to, to really love and lead my wife and my kids. And I'll be honest with you again. I mean, I know we're in church and this is no place to be honest, but I'll give it a shot. <coughs> it's still a struggle today. 
it's still a struggle. It, and if you're a guy in this room, my, my bet's going to be for the majority of guys in this room, maybe not for all of us. For some of us, some guys are just like Superman, right? They, just, they got a cape tucked in their jacket. They're always the guy giving the testimony. Like, I, you know, I'm just, I used to drink and, and, and smoke and run around with anything with two legs. And then I turned six and met Jesus and my life just changed. Right? And, and now every morning I wake up and Jesus physically meets me at the front of my bed. He tells me what to do and I obey without even second thought. It's like, wow, that guy's amazing. But for the vast majority of guys, that's not going to be our story. Can I encourage you just for a minute, guys? The reason lovingly leading your family as the head is difficult is because Satan knows how important it is and he has an all-out attack on you over it. He wants to discourage you. He wants to, to, to um, uh, cause you to think that, that, that it's not important or that you're doing a good enough job. He wants to do this. I want to encourage you guys. It matters. It really actually matters. And I want to encourage you as well. You, with, with just a, by God's grace, just a little bit of effort, you're going to do better than you're realizing. You're going to do better than you think you are. Right? So it's just, it's just stepping out and saying, Lord, I don't really know how to do this, and I'm a little nervous, but I trust you, and I want to love and lead my family well in you. It just starts by praying for them, encouraging them with prayer, praying with them, starting simple. As God is speaking to you in your own personal time, just encouraging them, hey, here's a verse that the Lord led me to today. Just simple things that you can do to start to love and lead and encourage your family. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. Don't shirk that. Um, but here's why we often do. And we got to hit this point. Manhood is marred by sin. So Genesis chapter 2 ends pretty great. You got Adam and Eve in a garden, naked and eating an all-you-can-eat buffet. Like, it's awesome. Like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Then you get to chapter 3. And in chapter 3, the story shifts. In chapter 3, serpent comes in, tempts Eve. Eve eats the fruit, gives to Adam, who is with her. He eats the fruit. Sin comes in to the world. Gentlemen, I want you to notice two things. How did sin enter into the world? Genesis 3, 6. She, Eve, also gave some, that's the fruits, to her husband who was with her and he ate. And then after God approaches them, he says to them in Genesis 3, 17, you're going to be cursed because you have listened to the voice of your wife. So, Sin entered into manhood through Adam. And what we see in Genesis chapter 3 is Adam, this happened in two ways. Number one, by Adam doing nothing. And number two, by Adam listening to the wrong person. And 
chapter 3, verse 6, it says that Eve gave the fruit to her husband who was with her. The implication is, as Eve is having this conversation with the serpent, Adam is standing right there. Right? He's not off in the distance tending the garden. He's standing right beside her overhearing all of this. He hears the serpent lie. He hears the serpent twist God's word. He hears the serpent luring Eve away, and he does nothing. Gentlemen, the great sin of the Christian man is typically doing nothing. Well, I don't do this and I don't do that. Congratulations. But do you lead? Number one, he did nothing. Number two, he listened to the wrong person. This time it was his wife. Now, gentlemen, if you go home and you tell your wife, I don't have to listen to you because the pastor said, you're not listening to me right now, okay? Dude, like, if you do that, I can't help you, all right? Like, do not call me. I got nothing for you, all right? But in this situation, God says, look, you listen to your wife and not me. I told you what to do and what not to do. So I think we see this happening a lot with men. Either the sin of doing nothing or the sin of listening to the wrong voices. I mean, let's be honest, guys. Think about just your life. The, the things that if you could invent the flux capacitor and go back in time and redo some stuff, a lot of it revolves around either A, not doing something you should have done, or B, listening to the wrong person give you advice. It's exactly where Adam was. Sin came in. Sin marred Adam. Sin changed him. Sin changed the relationship between him and God. Sin changed the relationship between Adam and Eve. The same is true for us. Every one of us are sinners, both by nature and by choice. Every one of us, gentlemen, live under the weight and penalty of sin. Sin that we have committed, sin that's been committed against us, sin that's just in the world and we just have to live in and among it all. But the story doesn't end there. While manhood is marred by sin, I want you to see this last point. And we chatted about this a little bit earlier at the beginning of service. Manhood is redeemed through sonship. Look again at Genesis 4, 6, and 7. Again, it says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. God delivers men from their sin and restores them to biblical manhood by making them his sons. So, about 10 or 12 years ago, <clears throat> I was going through a bit of a rough season. Uh, I was just frustrated in life, frustrated in ministry, uh, just everything. Uh, which made me not the greatest person to live with, I can imagine. But I was just struggling. Uh, I didn't enjoy my walk with the Lord. I didn't enjoy being in ministry. 
To be quite honest, I wasn't enjoying my family very much. Everything felt like a chore. Everything felt like a duty. Everything felt like um, this, this weight, and it, and it was just a struggle for me. So I had a friend who led a counseling ministry uh, in Charlotte. We were living outside of Charlotte at the time, and had a friend in a, with a counseling ministry in Charlotte. So I called him up and just said, hey, so I, I need to hang out. And so we went and hung out. And I said, so um, I think I'm broken. Like something's wrong with me. Like uh, all the things that I know should be true of me, I feel like aren't true of me. And I don't know what to do. And, and the best way I could describe it was I felt like I was rolling down a hill and I was grabbing at branches to catch myself, but every branch I grabbed at just ripped out, and so I just kept rolling down the hill faster. Like I just felt like I couldn't get my feet underneath me. And so I remember we sat down. It was at a Panera Bread. We're eating. And uh, so he looks at me and just says, um, so we've known each other for years at this point, but he said, so who are you? I'm Brad. He said, yeah, but... Who are you? I'm the husband of Marie. Like, yeah, yeah, but who are you? I'm a dad. He said, yeah, but who are you? I'm like, okay, so I feel like there's an answer you're looking for that I'm not getting. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna phone a friend on this one. Like, you gotta help me. I don't I don't know. And he said, the problem, Brad is that you've lost sight of the fact that the most important thing about you is that you're a son of God. You've tried to find your identity in who you are, in being a husband and being a father and being a pastor and being a friend and accomplishing things and being considered good at what you do. You're trying to find your purpose, your value, your meaning in those things. And you've lost sight of the fact that the most important thing about you is that you are God's son. So from there, I went into counseling. For several months, he and I met regularly. And he just walked me through this process of recapturing what it means to just live first and foremost as a son of God. Then everything else flows from that. And Galatians 4, 6, and 7 is a key passage in this. And so gentlemen, I want you just to hear me just for a moment. The most important thing about you is the fact that through faith in Jesus Christ, you are a son of God. And everything else is going to stem from that. The only way you're going to defeat sin is if you understand what it means to live as a son of God. The only way you're going to ra uh, um, love your wife and children effectively is if you do so through being a son of God. The only way you're going to push forward the kingdom of God and, and, and disciple other people and tell them about Jesus and push forward the mission of the gospel is if you understand that you are first and foremost a son of God and God desires to make other sons of God. Everything flows from this. So the question for you gentlemen today is this. Have you, have you submitted yourself? Have you bent the knee and said, I surrender everything to you. I just want to be 
your son. I don't want to find value and worth in anything else but being your son. That's it. What do you need to lay down? What are you trying to find value and meaning and worth and purpose in? Is it work? Is it education? Is it status? Is it money? Is it family? What are you seeking to do this in? You are only going to find true value and purpose and meaning and power in life through living as a son of God. And listen to me very carefully. The only way you can be a son of God today is if you say today, I lay down, surrender, submit, turn from everything else in my life. This notion that you become a Christian just simply by repeating a prayer is a lie. Saving you costs Jesus his life. And you being saved will cost you yours. Jesus had to lay down his life to save you. And today you must lay down your life in order to be saved. You can't take it with you. But I want to encourage you. On the other side is a life far greater. It's a joy far greater. Living as a son of God. Again, to quote C.S. Lewis. Lewis said, too many of us are happy making mud pies in the slums because we have no idea what a holiday by the sea would be like. And for many of us gentlemen, we're just in the muck of this world making mud pies thinking this is going to make us happy. And there is a glorious life as a son of God waiting for you. But you must reject this life first. So what I'd like to do this morning, I'm going to ask our band to come up. And, and gentlemen, I want, to, I want to take a minute and I want to pray for you. And I want to encourage you. Jesus Christ came and died and he rose again that you could be a son of God. And as a son of God, he desires to empower you to live out true biblical manhood and masculinity. So I want to ask if you just bow your heads for me just for a moment. Gentlemen and ladies, are you living first and foremost as a child of God? Do you understand what it means have the most important thing about you be that God is your dad through faith in Jesus. And everything flows from there. If today 
you need to reject this life and believe by faith in Jesus Christ. To be saved, to be made a child of God. I want to encourage you this morning right now. What a better time than Father's Day to do this. Best Father's Day gift in the world. So if that's your heart, just simply right now, just say, Jesus Christ, I reject this life. I repent of my sin. I turn to you, Jesus. Forgive me. Make me a child of God. That is your, your prayer this morning. I want to encourage you as we're finishing up here in just a moment. I want to talk to you. I want to encourage you. I want to hear what God is doing. Your next step is going to be baptism. Showing the congregation, this is what Jesus has done for me. He's made me new. He's made me a child of God. We want to talk to you about that and walk with you through that process. Come let me know. But for, for all of our guys. I want to take a minute, and I want to pray for you this morning, okay? In fact, um, if you're a guy, can you take this, just a, can you stand up for me right now? We did this with our ladies on Mother's Day. All of our guys, just stand. I'm not going to make you come up front or anything, but just stand where you are. And let's take a minute, and let's pray. Uh, if you're around your husband or your dad... Um, if you could just uh, pray for him, you can put a hand on him. Let's just take some time and pray for our men. So God, I just lift up our men to you this morning. I, all of our guys, our, our young boys, our older senior men, God, I know that there is an attack from the enemy. He is seeking to destroy your creation. So I ask you, God, that you would empower these men to stand firm at what it means to be a man of God. That they would be resolved in their hearts. The most important thing about them is that they are your son. And because they're your son, they get to walk in the grace and peace and authority and power that comes from being a son of God. That sets them free from sin and free from this world and all the trappings that come with it. I pray that you empower them to live for a greater kingdom, not of this world. And they would seek to to invest there even more so than here. Bless these men. Thank you for them. God, it's such an honor and a privilege to, to pastor them, to know them, to be their friends. I pray, God, that you would raise up a force here of strong, powerful, godly men who show the world what it means to live out biblical masculinity. I pray, God, that you would raise that up here for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I want to ask our ladies to stand as well. Would you put that?
Everybody stand. We're going to end by singing one song together, all right? This song talks about coming. Coming to the Lord, coming to his table, coming to receive all that he can give us. So think about as a dad. Your kids come and you, you provide for them. You give them. That's exactly who God is for you. So let's take some time here this morning finishing up together. Praising God for being our great dad and receiving from him all that he desires to give us. Let's sing together. And if you don't know this song, church, I encourage you just to reflect on who God calls you to be. And as Pastor Brad said, if you've never accepted the love of Christ, this song truly is about coming to the table partaking in the greatness of Christ and the glories of his righteousness. Hear the voice of love that's calling and There's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands everything you're going through. But you keep standing at a distance in the shadows of your shame. There's a light of hope that's shining. I want you to come and take your place. And bring it all to the table. There's nothing he ain't seen before. For all your sin and your sorrow and your sadness. There's a Savior and He calls, bring it all to the table. He can see the weight you carry, the fears that hold your heart. Through the cross you've been forgiven. You've accepted as you are. So bring it all to the table. There's nothing he ain't seen before. Oh, all your trials, all your worries, and your burdens. There's a Savior, and he calls. Bring it all to the table bring it all bring it all come on in take your place there's no one who's turned away all you sinners all you saints Come right in and find your grace. Come on in.
your place there's no one who's turned away all you sinners all you saints come right in and find your grace and bring it all to the table there's nothing he ain't seen before for all your sin all your sorrow and your sadness there's a savior and it calls bring it all to the table lord i just thank you i thank you god that you a great dad prepare a table for us and tell us to come and to take part in all that you have for us. I pray, God, that you would embolden in us today, God, just an understanding of you as our great dad, and we get to live just as your son. Bless your men here today. Empower them, God, to live for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Happy Father's Day. Have a great week.